The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Making the world your lover. Oh, that's what we're here to do, my darlings. That's what we do through my online joy school at lisamacourt.com, through my newest book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness, and it's what we're going to do right here, right now together on the Do Joy podcast, where I bring you fascinating guests with powerful insights for elevating your personal vibration. Deep lasting happiness is a skill you can learn, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Happy summertime, my precious listener darlings. I hope you had a lovely solstice this past week, and you found plenty of joy in that celebration of light and how it symbolizes the light within each of us. In shamanism, the solstice heralds changes and new beginnings. And that's available to all of us. Our joy is available to all of us when we make the decision to claim it. If you're ready for that decision, I hope you'll pre-order Free Your Joy, my newest book. After you pre-order it from anywhere books are sold, be sure to go to my site, lisamacourt.com, to get some powerfully joy-enhancing gifts for you too. We're going to have some fun today. We're going to talk to longtime friend of Joy School, Arielle Ford. She's a leading personality in the personal growth and contemporary spirituality movement, a celebrated love and relationship expert, and author of a brand new book, The Love Thief, she's going to tell us about, as well as 11 prior books, including the international bestsellers, The Soulmate Secret and Wabi Sabi Love. She's been a guest teacher at Joy School many times over the years. She wrote the foreword to my Hay House book many years ago, and she'll be an upcoming Joy School Spotlight guest teacher soon. That's an online event that you can register for at lisamaccord.com. And here she is, my beautiful friend, Arielle. How are you today? Oh, I'm really good, Lisa. How's the queen of joy today? (laughs) <laughs> the Queen of Joy is doing her joy away from home today. I'm recording the audio for Free Your Joy. So exciting. So I'm actually coming in from a hotel room. And how is the Cupid of Consciousness, the fairy godmother of love? 
I am doing great. All's well here in San Diego. Beautiful. I can't wait to talk about this novel because as many of your longtime adoring fans, I was like, what? Ariel wrote a novel? Tell us about what made you decide to branch into this area. Well, here's what happened, Lisa. <laughs> I never, ever had writing a novel on my to-do list. And one day, about five years ago, this title showed up. The first line of a book showed up. My mother was right. And then the story started to unfold in my head like a movie. And I kept pushing it away, saying, no, 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 get out of here. I don't know how to write fiction. I don't want to write fiction. Go away, go away. And it was stalking me. It wouldn't leave. And as the movie in my head kept unfolding, I could see that it was taking place in Rishikesh, India, a place that I visited a few times, but didn't really study in depth. And um, since the whole idea of it wouldn't go away, I said to God one day, okay, if I'm really supposed to write this book, I'm going to manifest a $7,000 business class ticket to India, thinking that, of course, that's not going to happen, except it did. 48 hours later, I had the ticket in my hand. And when I got to India, everything I saw in my head, I started to trip over. It was all there, all the scenes, all the people, all the magic and mystery all came together. So when I got home, I knew that I had somehow agreed somewhere along the line to write this book. It's called The Love Thief. And the tagline is, he broke her heart, he crushed her dreams, and then karma intervened. So it's a romantic spiritual thriller that is inspired by actual events that have happened in my life and in the lives of many of my close girlfriends who had the unfortunate experience of being involved with a sociopath. So that's the short version. My goodness. So it really is a combination of your worlds. It's a romance and spiritual combo with a spiritual story. I mean, it sounds like this is something that definitely was was being gifted to you, being given to you, being channeled through you in a very spiritual sort of way for all of those synchronicities to it. Yeah. And, and I have a, a Hollywood producer who fell in love with the book, who's now uh, working on turning it into a limited streaming series. And she says the book is E Pray Love Meets Dirty John, which is like exactly what it is. So there's not just spiritual and mystical and love stuff in the book. There's revenge, <laughs> uh, really soul satisfying revenge. And in fact, one woman who who was an early reader said that this book left her so deeply satisfied that she wanted the proverbial cigarette at the end of it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So you're saying it's part part little bit autobiographical in a sweeping sort of way that you've recognized with you know other people that you've coached and been with I know that all of your prior work has been very much in service to readers for looking for love trying to understand love trying to do love in a, a truly soulmate fashion I feel like though this is caged in fiction it, it must be the same thing especially hearing the spiritual way that it was brought to you do you feel that even though it's a fiction book it's going to bring readers to a better understanding about themselves well, i i had a lot of early readers and i got some 
unexpected phone calls. I know this one woman called me up one day, just sobbing after she finished the book. And I said, what's the matter? Is everything okay? And she said, I've never felt so seen or heard in my life. What you wrote, I lived. I was betrayed by a toxic narcissist at this level. And you captured the roller coaster of emotions that I went through. And reading the book has healed me in unexplainable ways. So I didn't set out to make that a benefit of the book. But pretty much, I don't think I know any woman who hasn't been betrayed, right? And and so what I wrote into it was the healing process I was able to witness in myself and others, because it really isn't autobiographical for me per se, but I know, I know plenty of women and I took from their stories, you know, the depression, the sadness, the grief, the rage, the anger, the disbelief, and, you know, the, the miracle of hitting rock bottom and coming up and healing again and learning to love again. Oh, it's beautiful. I feel like there's almost a, no reason for this, but a, a shame for a smart, savvy, accomplished. Oh, woman. no, no, there is. That is the word. Yeah. Totally. There is because here you are, you know, you're smart, successful, attractive, have lots of friends, lots of social skills. And yet, You've been taken in by this monster. And and it explains how and why this happened in the book, because toxic narcissists target smart, successful women. You were targeted. You know, I always tell people, if, if you had this experience, there's a level at which you could feel complimented, because if you weren't all together, you would not have been targeted. And what they do is so smart, successful women have many things in common. The first is they love to work. They love their work and they put a lot of energy into their work, which doesn't leave a lot of time for love and romance. And so when the narcissist targets you, they they tend to be good looking and charming and charismatic, and they know what to whisper in your ear to have you fall for them. They do what is technically termed love bombing. They love bomb you and then they hook you and you're now a junkie. You're now an addict for their love until who they really are shows up. And suddenly you're you're in this terribly confused state because you know that guy is in there. You just had two or three months of all this love and romance. And now suddenly he's gone and he's gaslighting you and he's lying to you and you don't know what to do with it. And that's that tends to be a very typical situation. And in retrospect, when you're on the other side of it, you can see all the red flags were there. And you can also see that you chose to overlook them because you were looking for your next fix. You knew all that. You once had that dream relationship and now it's gone and you want it back. So it's very, you know, shame is actually the key word for what most women experience in that. How could I have been so stupid? How did I not see this? How did I give access? Because usually they steal a lot of your money. That's the other thing. If if you have no money, (laughs) chances are this isn't going to necessarily happen to you. (laughs) They want, they, you're, you're safer. Let's put this, not safe, but safer because they go after women with means and then they leave with your money. And I have to say, there's a lot of humor in this book. 
<laughs> so my lead character, Holly, it sounds like, oh, this is sounding kind of dull and dreary and depressing. No, she's funny as shit. She is really funny. And the thing is, she's not a seeker. She's a she's the daughter of a single mom who's a new age baby boomer who used to hang dream catchers over her crib. And she is a reaction to that. She doesn't believe. She doesn't seek. She won't go to yoga class with her mother. She thinks meditation is a totally stupid thing. This is not who she is. And yet she ends up in India and things start to happen and her life begins to change. So it's got something for everybody in it. Let's talk about India while you brought that up, because I love always hearing about your mystical experiences. And I know that you've had uh, some related to this journey. Tell us about your mystical experience. Well, you know, India for me is just pure magic. And, you know, I was I was doing this thing with Deepak Chopra in 2003. We were in in India together and we were doing this thing called a circumambulation around Mount Arunchala, which meant we were walking 12 miles around this mountain under the full moon of Pongal with a half a million pilgrims chanting and praying together. And as we began this journey of this long walk under the full moon, Deepak said to me, in India, spirit is not difficult to find. It's impossible to avoid. And he was right. So wherever you are in India, there's constantly people praying and pujas and rituals and all kinds of magical stuff going on. You know, when I was in Rishikesh doing my research for the love thief, I would have these thoughts. Like I remember one day thinking, I was walking through this little town and I was thinking, oh, I wish I could get a, a blessing where, where they put a red uh, string around my wrist and give me a blessing. And two minutes later, this man painted up as Hanuman, the monkey god, walked over to me and said, would you like a blessing? And then wrapped the red string around my wrist that fast. You know, another day I was really feeling kind of hungry and I was craving, you know, a, a dish with rice and vegetables. And there was a knock on my hotel room door that said, oh, Sadviji over at the ashram thought you might enjoy this meal and sent me the meal. So India for me is pure magic. Oh, I love those stories. I always love those stories. That's beautiful. And so readers can vicariously experience that magic while they're reading The Love Thief. I want to I go back to this character, this monster. This is a recurring theme and people that you know, this is something that has been, you know, probably a lot of listeners are saying, oh, I had one of those. Yep. Do, do you have any sort of a insight or compassion or empathy like what creates these men what what is really it's an insecurity right I mean definitely no there's nobody knows why or how they come to be this way what they do know is there's no cure there's no fix so somebody who's a sociopath is totally devoid of empathy right and and you they, there is no cure. There's no cognitive therapy. There's no talk therapy. There's no antidepressant. They're just basically evil to a certain degree. And as I said earlier, they're charming, they're charismatic, charismatic, they're often good looking, and they target their victims. You know, so you can learn to recognize the behavior. And when you're dating, one of the first things to recognize is if things are moving really fast, you know, like within The first two or three dates are already telling you you're the one. I've been looking for you my whole life. 
you know, we're going to make beautiful babies together. When they're moving that fast, that is not sincere. When you have the thought or the feeling, this is too good to be true. It, it usually is. So you want to be careful, you know, and you want to trust your, your friends. If your friends say to you, I have a bad feeling about this, don't be rushing into anything because you want to, because it feels so good. You know, you've got the butterflies in your stomach and champagne bubbles in your bloodstream. And it's all so exciting. And what this is, this is not love. And this is a problem a lot of women have. They don't know what love is. Okay. So they think, they think love is a feeling. Oh, how do I know I love you? I feel it. I feel it. Like we've known each other forever and you've known him for 24 hours and you totally get me. And we've had past lives together and I'm intuitive. I'm a very spiritual girl and I'm very intuitive. I know you're the one. And those are all signs. Those are all red flags. They are not the one because you don't know them. So love is not a feeling. There are good feelings that come with real love, but the act of being in love, the state of being in love is your brain on drugs. It's your brain on adrenaline and, and dopamine and oxytocin and it's the greatest feeling in the world and it is not love what it is is the socially acceptable form of insanity but it is not love here's what love really is real mature adult love is a behavior it's a choice it's a decision it's an action it's a way of being and you can be married to your soulmate life partner and you can love them to death and there will be days when you can't stand them and possibly even hate them and it doesn't mean that you don't love them so it's really important to understand wh what being in love is versus what real love is you know and there are times when you can have both you can both be in love and be with a sane secure good person and it will grow into the deeper love. But the, the drug high of being in love, uh, they've studied this. And it lasts anywhere from three months to two years. And then it pretty much disappears. And it comes and goes. And in my book, Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate, I talk about ways to get those feelings back. But that's not in the book. <laughs> my heroine, once, once she breaks free of her sociopath, is never going back. And for good reason. So um, that's probably more than you wanted to know, because now I can't even remember what the question was. <laughs> no, that was perfect. That was awesome. I just I'm, I'm finding myself now a little bit protective of the good guys out there who fall in love fast and are kind of in, in inadvertently love bombing their women. And the women are going to be like, no, you must be an artist. Like there must be some room for that. Well, how would how would we? Well, but it it's up to you. Feeling? So you have to have discernment, you know, so so men. I don't believe I've never met a woman who had love at first sight and then went on to have a 30 year marriage. I have met men who've had love at first sight and, and it has gone on for 30 years. So yes, you're right. There are some men out there and they're not, what you want to be doing is, is really using your discernment, you know, like, Oh yes, he loves me. Well, he doesn't know me. He loves the idea of me. He loves the way I look and I'm going to just take my sweet time. I'm not going to be put on a timetable. In fact, I'm not going to stop dating other people just yet and let them earn your trust. 
Okay. People need to earn your trust. Women fall in love in between their ears. Okay. Men fall in love first with their eyes. So you need to understand that as well. So we're not going to be blowing them off, but you might be checking them out. You know, we have lots of ways to vet people. You know, you made a, if they tell you they're 52 years old and they've never been married and they've had 17 relationships, that's kind of a sign. You know, you, you know, you want to go slow and you don't want to have sex with them until you feel physically and emotionally safe with them. And you've had them checked for diseases and you, because once you have sex with somebody, your, your oxytocin blows up and you get bonded to them. And then you don't want to hear the truth, right? So you want to take your time and only you are in control of that. Wow. And that would have saved your heroine some missteps if Holly had had your sage counsel. If Holly had had Ariel's counsel, she might not have gotten herself in that situation. Right, but the other the other gift of this book, The Love Thief, is that you discover that sometimes the worst things that ever happened to you lead to the best things that ever happened to you. So had she not had her heart broken and her dreams crushed and nearly died in a car accident and hit rock bottom, she wouldn't have had the opportunity to grow into the person she is by the end of the book. So I know for my life at the times when I hit total rock bottom, if I could go back and change that now, I wouldn't change a thing because I know they led to the greatest times in my life. And that's a really important lesson to have, to know that, you know, we all have one step forward, two steps back. We all have times when our heart's broken and, and we nearly die and we're about to go bankrupt. And, and sometimes that all happens at once. And yet in retrospect, we can see, thank God that happened. So it's also a reminder that no matter how bad things are right now, something way beyond your imagination and fabulous is on the way. And can spring from that very circumstance. Yes, that contrast provides the, the springboard. I love that. Good, good point. You, um, you have talked about your uh, take on the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love. This is true, Ariel. It's, all, it's love all that we need. <laughs> yes, I say, you know, All You Need Is Love by the Beatles is a soundtrack for our love lives. And it's a big fat lie. <laughs> love is not enough. It just isn't. And there's research on this. In order to sustain a long-term, happy, healthy, fulfilling marriage or partnership, what you need is connection, compatibility, clear communication, which thank God can be learned. Chemistry, although chemistry is not the most important, but some chemistry is good. And the number one factor in having a long-term great partnership, a shared vision for the future. Mm -hmm. So love is not enough. I mean, how many people do you know that have been, you know, had, had the love, just love somebody to death, but they had no financial responsibility. They had addictions. They had, you know, all kinds of things that didn't make them a potentially great partner. And yet you stuck with them. Oh, but I love him. Or even abuse. How many women stay in abusive relationships, whether it's physical or emotional abuse? How can I leave? I love him. 
Yes, uh, you do love him and you can continue to love him in a small corner of your heart. And you need to get the hell out of there and find somebody who's an appropriate, mature adult that you can have a relationship with. So all you need is love is a nice tune and it won't make you happy. For sure. And I think so many of my spiritually attuned friends, women who are on the journey and are always elevating their consciousness, it's a, a level of self-worth that gets increased. And that's what finally lets them see that abusive relationships are just not what they deserve anymore. We we create what we deserve, right? We create whatever we... And the other part of it is that sp the, the spiritual women that I coach, the thing that really hurts them the most is arrogance. And what I mean by that is they believe that they're deeply intuitive. And when they meet the right person, they're just going to know. And therefore, most of the men they meet, they blow off without ever knowing them. Nope, he's not it. I would know. I'm going to open the door and we're going to talk for 15 seconds. And it's either a hell yes or a hell no. And they do a hell no to 99.5% of the men they meet. And they're throwing out these perfectly wonderful, conscious men who are strangers without giving them a chance. And that's why spiritual women have the hardest time in love. Because if they would get off their high horse, oh, well, he's just not spiritual. Well, let me ask you, why are you spiritual? Well, every morning I do my mantra meditation. I have my green drink. I go to hot yoga. And then I go to Whole Foods and I eat my non-GMO organic food. And they have conflated healthy lifestyle with spirituality. Oh, and they've read a lot of books. When in truth, true spirituality is coming from a heart-centered place of love and service and compassion. And there are plenty of conscious men out there who have never done yoga and they don't do meditation. And there are plenty of male meditation and yoga teachers who are sexually abusing their students. Let's not, because somehow people seem to think that yoga and meditation is innately spiritual and it is not, you know, now you can be a spiritual person who does those things, but they are, they do not make you a spiritual person. So it's about understanding that a conscious man, which is what you want as opposed to a spiritual man, a conscious man who is one who lives his life on purpose. So you could come across a man who's never heard of Marianne Williamson or Deepak Chopra or Louise Hay, who loves his work. He volunteers for big brothers, big sisters. He'll drive your mother to her doctor's appointment. He's a good man who has a good moral compass who's there to take a bullet for you and cares about your feelings. Now that's better than the new age, nice guy, you know, who's constantly weighing himself to make sure he's still the exact amount of weight and making sure he's obsessively doing his, you know, yoga practice every day. And at the same time, you know, is judgmental on everybody else, you know? So, so as a spiritual woman, it's your job to open your heart and start looking for conscious men. I tell my clients when you go out, A, I make them choose men that they would consider at least a six on a scale of one to 10. Don't go for the nines or tens, go for the six, sevens and eights. And then when you 
when you're on the date, keep looking for what you like about them. Because you got to send me an email when you get home and tell me three things you liked about them. Don't be looking for what's wrong. Don't be making assumptions. And if they say something that's uncomfortable or, or that makes you sort of draw back, learn to ask a clarifying question. Chances are you're making an assumption. Don Miguel Ruiz said, never make assumptions. Number one thing to do when dating, don't make assumptions. Ask them, well, didn't you just say X, Y, C? Does that mean A, B, C? And you're most likely to find out they didn't communicate clearly or you didn't hear clearly. So give these guys a chance because there's no shortage of love in the world. No shortage of love in the world. And as much as you're desiring a life partner, there's more than one guy out there or woman looking for you. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I love that. And that takes us back to your definition earlier. Love isn't a feeling. Love is something that you bring, you do. You bring that action to the table. So approaching someone with that open heart and, and lack of, of needing to judge them off the bat is acceptable an example of that, that kind of doing, I think. In Joy School, when we do relationships, one of the questions I find so important is, do you have the same definition for what a good relationship is? Because that's what I see in such a, a heartbreaking way with a lot of the women that I'm around who just look at their partner and, and he's perfectly happy. He would be with her forever because he never required a level of real connection or conversation or these things that she's suddenly realize that she really requires and wants in a relationship. So I think that's such an important piece from the beginning is just, you know, what is a good relationship to you? You know, for some guys, it's well, just- Yes, you need to know for yourself. You know, some people want to be legally married and live under the same roof 24 seven. Other people want to be in a committed relationship, never live apart, never commingle funds and see each other three times a week. So before even dating, you want to be clear about that. You know, what is my soul most calling for, right? And you're not going to get every little need met in a soulmate life partner, nor should you want this. So figure out, you know, what are your five to 10 must haves, right? And then figure out what your five to 10 deal breakers are. And then that's what girlfriends are for. You know, it's like you can, there are plenty of things that Brian and I like to do together and plenty of things we have no interest in doing together. And, you know, and it's okay. We let each other be because we respect each other, right? And we don't agree on absolutely everything. And sometimes we agree to disagree, but we agree on the most important things. We have a shared vision for the future. And these days when you're dating, I tell women, you never, ever, ever leave your house for a first date until you've had at least one video chat, at least one, ideally two, because there's a couple of things you've got to get clear right from the start. So if you're of childbearing age and you know you want to have kids, right, you've got to make sure you're not talking to somebody who's like already has four kids and doesn't need more or isn't interested in having more. And politically, you need to know where they stand, right? If you're a bleeding heart, liberal, progressive, and they're watching Fox News, you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to be happy together. I've seen so many couples divorce in the last three years because of these differences. You know, if you're somebody who who trusts science and you've had vaccines, or you're a hardcore anti-vaxer, it's really hard to be together. I I know one couple that's like as 
conscious and spiritual and evolved as you can get. Only he's an anti-vaxxer and she has young children that she wants to protect. And, and they came really close to not making it through the pandemic, you know, so you don't leave the house without knowing these core things. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, I don't want to scare anybody away. It's like, yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You do. You know, so, you know, use the apps correctly on my, on my website, soulmatesecret.com. I give away a free online dating guide. Free. Okay. Read that. Use that. Online dating works if you know how to use it. Beautiful. Yeah. I love your methods. You have some some really solid information in there. And I know that um, one thing that, that you talk about that we do at Joy School as well is why is happiness not the goal? We think happiness is the goal expand on that yes yes I spent many years studying happy people because I was very depressed and on antidepressants in my 20s and suicidal at different points and all I wanted to be was be happy and so I studied happy people and I became a relatively happy optimistic person but then one day I learned something that changed everything for me and part of it was is that I saw that that happiness is contingent upon people, places, and experiences that come and go. So I'm happy because I got the guy, but then we broke up. So now I'm not happy anymore. You know, I'm happy because I got the designer handbag and then it got stolen. Now I'm not happy anymore. And I was thinking there's got to be, what's the next level? There's got to be something better. And what I learned is that there's this Sanskrit word called Santosha. Santosha, and it means utter contentment, and it's not dependent upon happiness. And so, what is contentment? Contentment is being willing to accept both your happiness and your lack of it at any given moment, to love what is, to be able to just be with the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to remain centered and utterly content in appreciation and gratitude with what is. I wrote a blog just two weeks ago called the problem with happiness, you know, because we don't get to control it, but Santosha is a choice. Yeah. We've all been so conditioned to wait for those external things to be just right, to have the happiness when really energetically it's a it's inside out process. We have to learn yes. that inner peace, learn that acceptance, that Santosha on the inside. And that's what sends the vibratory frequency out to go create all those external circumstances that we think we're going to make us happy anyway. It has to start in there. So that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad you explained that. Thank you. So for, for people reading your new novel, if you had like a dream takeaway that every person who finished that last chapter and closed the book had this aha, this is what I'm going to take forward from this. What would it be? Well, good question, Lisa. Um, I would say that letting go of what you think your desires are and being willing to open up your heart to what your destiny is and trusting and knowing that the universe always has your back is the path to freedom. That was really well put. I knew that's what you were going to say in one way or another, but I love the way you said it too. That was perfect. Yeah. It's that trust, right? That surrender. 
we think we have Surrender. to go make it all happen and go chase it down and effort and effort and try and try. And if we would just sit still for a minute, we could see what the next breadcrumb is. And that's all exactly. we do. Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. I want to, I want to tell your listeners one other thing. If you go to thelovethief.com to order my book, there's an amazing free bonus on there. And what it is, is I had the world's top eight yoga instructors, people like Sean Korn, each make me a video based on a negative emotion, like anger, betrayal, heartbreak, grief, uncertainty. Each one chose one of those and they give a little talk on the yogic philosophy, let's say of overcoming anger, and then show you the yoga poses to do to help release anger. And it's totally free and you can access it at thelovethief.com. I love that. So it, it's with purchase of the book. You purchased yeah. the book. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm glad you told them. Yeah, I was just going to ask you to explain all the ways that people can find and experience the book. And if you have any other related events or anything coming up around it. You know, I would just say get on my newsletter. If you go go to my website, which is soulmatesecret.com and just get on my newsletter. Every Tuesday, I send out information on how to find love, keep love and be love. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I know that that's been a journey for you and has just fed and fueled so much of how you show up in the world and what you do. And, and I love your story and I love your dear husband. And I love that we had this time together today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I know y'all are going to want to follow up with Arielle. Isn't she cool? I'm just realizing we let her go without giving you a home play and we can't let that happen. We always give a home play on the Do Joy podcast. So I'm going to let y'all in on a little book launch secret that hasn't gone public yet. Arielle just told you about the amazing video series that comes as a bonus with her new book. And it just so happens we're gearing up over here to open the doors on a bundle of amazingly generous gifts from my many friends as launch bonuses for my new book, Free Your Joy. And the one I'm going to go ahead and tell you about today so you can get a jump on it is for a limited time. You podcast listeners are the first to hear about this. There's a limited quantity of base level memberships to Joy School that will be given away. That means you come play with me and my superstar guest teachers like Arielle for live online workshops where you learn how to skyrocket your joy. It's not on the site yet, so you'll have to email me at lisa at lisamccourt.com to claim it. That's lisa at my full name, lisamccourt.com. But that is your exciting home play this round, my darlings. Claim your yoga video series from Arielle or a Joy School membership from me by ordering Ariel's The Love Thief or and Free Your Joy wherever books are sold. All the love to you, divine friends. Go get some summertime fun and some summertime reading. See you soon. Deepest gratitude and love to you, my beautiful listener tribe, with representation in 30 countries all across the globe. I'm so honored to spend this time with you. If you're wondering about my online events, my books, joining my Joy School community, all of that is waiting for you at lisamccourt.com. 
I look forward to connecting with you there. Much love. Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.